right. Well, Richard, thanks very much for uh, coming on. We've met each other, I think, what, a year, year and a half ago. Um, and we were very interested in what you're doing with uh, Connect Lending. So uh, very happy to have you on today. What I really would like to do is um, if you could take us sort of a little bit back from, you know, how did you come to the idea uh, of Connect Lending? What is Connect Lending, uh, first of all? And then maybe we can take it from there and, and, and have some more questions down the road. Sure. Um, it's, it's fairly simple. I, uh, you know, I came off the trading floor as a uh, commodity trader and a hedge fund manager. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of used to very structured processes and very high-paced, you know, environments. I transitioned over after starting a family and um, started a financial service business. So I was a registered investment advisor, fee for business. And quite simply, I was sitting in my office and one of my larger clients walked in who was a business owner and he told me he was moving his money down the street to a bank because they would give him a loan and they needed that money to secure it. Mm -hmm. And that's the first time I realized really quickly that Debt or credit is what is the tail that wags the dog. And, you know, sure. banks don't cross-sell, so they say, but that's, you know, they have widget goals, and that means cross-selling. So right. that that was really where it began. Um, and then... And so how many how many years ago do we do we, do we talk about? Oh, here? this was five and a half, maybe six years right. ago. Gotcha. And while still being an FA, I started building a Rolodex of... Well, alternative lenders, and these are the old timers now, that would help me. So if a client walked in and said, hey, I I need financing and I'm going to walk down the street to the bank, I wanted to give them alternatives other than leaving me, right? And it was very altruistic and nice, but really it was self-serving because I wanted their investment dollars to pay my bills. So, you know, after about five or six relationships, I started finding out that this was a lot more fun than putting people into things and let, letting their money go for, you know, a couple of years and seeing how you did. There's just, there's really no attraction in that for me anymore. So I started getting referrals in and they weren't for managing money. It was for, I got declined at this bank. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. And that was the impetus of starting Connect Lending. And I started with a partner that's still my partner today. And I asked him to build me a website, and it started very much as a, think of a CRM, but very rudimentary. I'd put lenders on, I'd put my clients on, and I would just keep track of who I introduced stuff to. That was right. basic, or 101 Connect Lending. Right, now, now let's, let's you know, stop here for a second. And so you, you're saying, though, like five years ago, four or five years ago, that that's when, you know, sort of this aha moment happened and really Connect Lending, sort of the concept came to be. At that time, was there, um, were these guys, uh, the, the other guys, I would say, sort of that are in the same space today, sort of the funderos or the lenders of this world, the lending trees, were they there? Were they sort of, uh, you know, in your face? Were they competitors or, or were you doing something different from what they're doing? That's a great question. Um, someone you mentioned was there. Someone you mentioned wasn't there. How's that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like fair enough. Let- Lendia was sort of brand new, is a brand new platform to the scene. Mm-hmm. So they weren't there at all. Lending Tree was there, but residential mortgages was all they did, and they they were very good at it. Um, Fundera, sorry, Fundera, we already discussed. Lendio was kind of the the big boy, as well as Bowfly and C Loans. Mm-hmm. 
Those were the three kind of incumbent old time platforms. They've restructured since then because of, you know, competition changing environments. But back then it was very simple. They would, they were, they were lead aggregators. They would buy loans from people, sell them out. And they were selling them multiple, multiple times because they're, the way they made money was with selling leads. Right. 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 So there's an inherent problem there because you don't have anything of value trusted in that relationship. Now you don't you don't care about an outcome when all you're doing is selling widgets all day long. Sure. Sure. So I I had a little bit of hindsight in the fact that you know there were there were firms out there doing it but not doing it in the way that I wanted because if you think about where I was at that time, I had just come off the floor. I you know I I built algorithms and did off the floor trading and high frequency trading and all that stuff so I was in the mindset of a, a math statistician if you will. I was a financial advisor that was doing fairly well so transaction relationship you know are two different things. I was very much a relationship oriented person. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I I looked at everything and said, you know, how can I help these people not necessarily make them a transaction and never see them again? Right. So a lot of it was finding out very simple questions. You know, I, I can get down to the root of a problem fairly quickly with maybe four or five questions. If they have FICO problems, right? Their credit's worth right. bad. Don't necessarily mean they go to a bad lender. It just means do you want to fix it and get a better rate or do you want to go get this loan and then work your way out of it? And that's where we kind of came up with our, our, our concept that lives in our back office, which is the life cycle of a, lend, of a borrower. Mm-hmm. Um, when you start up, you don't have many options. As you grow, your options get more and more and more. And then as you come around that proverbial circle, when you're looking to retire or sell your business, you have cash flow. You're in the highest prime of lending and transaction M&A in your, in, in you'll ever be in. So when you sell your business, you basically start all over again, right? If you want to go back into business. So. The idea of having a client and taking them through multiple points of that transition is where Connect Lending really focuses on. Great. And so um, how different is your model today from where you initially sort of, you know, launched the idea? How have you progressed and and what are sort of the evolutionary steps that you went through to to be where you are at today? Sure. Well, one thing I'll tell you is, you know, the idea that banks aren't lending is, is I don't want to say ridiculous, but it's its definitely not true. Right. But banks are lending to the people they want to lend to, right? Sure. Uh, so everybody walks into a bank to try and get a loan. And people don't because they don't know options, right? So the idea has always been if you're not in business two years, you have 250000 in revenue and you got a great FICO score, mm-hmm. that's not bankable. Well, that's not true, but you have to start hunting and searching. The problem is by the time you're done searching, you've hurt your FICO score, you've hurt, you know, all these things are, are, are starting to become pain points for you. So a lot of the reason people are getting great access into the alternative markets is because it's an easy way to get a loan rather than hunting and gathering, right? Right. So Connect Lending started very simply. We had other, we had other banks, other credit unions, other very formalized lenders, as well as a few alternative lenders. Because quite candidly, there weren't that many around at that time. Sure, sure. So 
what what kind of started as we matched on maybe five bullet points. And when I mean a bullet point is I ask you a question. What's your FICO score? You know, and there's ranges. So we would match a range with a client's range with a lender who's looking for that. And four or five bullet points is like a shotgun in lending world, right? I You can't really get a good credit box. You can't get a good idea who that client is or who the lenders are looking for. So really over time, what we've done is we've extended our our questionnaire out mm-hmm. so that we start asking very relevant questions only if they're relevant to you. So if I start asking you, do you have collateral? And you say no, that might be the last question I ask you. If you say yes, we start digging into fine details fairly fairly quickly. And what people don't seem to understand, and this is where there's a kind of a hard part going on in the business, you only have a client's attention for a very short period of time because there's banner ads and everybody's spending SEO and marketing dollars to get in front of clients, right? Right. So the idea of I only can ask five or six or seven questions to pre-qualify them, to get them in my process, to get the buy-in. Well, you're not really what you're doing is you're trying to take a square client, put them in a round hole by asking the four questions that you care about and right. shoving their your solution down their throat. Right. So what really is going on now is we have thousands of lenders on our platform and they represent 44 different loan types right now. Mm-hmm. So everything from startup financing, all lines of credit, the SBA suites, all the way up through. and the upgrade, you know, we kind of talked about offline, but I'm sure we'll get to it is, you know, we were pulled into commercial real estate kind of kicking and screaming because we really didn't want to go in there because it's such a big space and so many players sit there. But what we really found was commercial real estate is just as fragmented and crazy as small business lending, but it's a much bigger market, right? Right, right. Very regionalized, very specific to loan types and and things like that. So what we found was it's a much, if you want to see what's going on in our world, look at commercial real estate and understand that's where we're heading. So brokers of brokers of brokers sit there and it's a very, very elaborate chains and everybody works in the sandbox together. If you start peeling away all the onions, there's only a couple very large lenders at the top that seed all of the money down through everything. Right. So it's not so much like it is today where there's little, MC, you know, merchant cash advance and cash flow lenders popping up everywhere around the world to do these loans because the barrier entry is so low. Right. Does that, does that kind of make sense of where we, where we came from and where we're heading? and kind of our view of what we're seeing coming. Yeah, no, totally. And uh, it is quite different from, again, some of the other names we, we mentioned. Uh, fair to say that it's sort of, a, you know, I would call it maybe a decision tree approach, kind of, you know, client answers a question and then, you know, depending on what the outcome is, you have already like, you know, 70% of your potential solutions that are, no longer, you know, applicable here. And so you'll focus on the 30%. And then, you know, with the next question, you know, you, you, you go down, you know, you go down further 
and ultimately you you end up with really pretty quickly sort of you know two or three or four you know uh, ready to go solutions for that particular client sort of in a much faster way than sort of the other approaches of some of the other platforms that do you know sort of are focused on a different kind of transaction a different kind of incentive is that is that the way you look at it or or well we 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 look at it exactly like that but we explain it a little differently right so much better than two, i do by the way it's just well, <laughs> well, no, explained very well i just wanted to recap and make sure they understand how it works right well there, there's two things that you you want to kind of keep in mind one is you know trademarking aside we've created eHarmony for commercial lending we used to call us we used to call ourselves match.com but Really, in Match.com, you just kind of swipe through pictures and you're looking for a date, right? right. And, and I'm going off of commercial and common knowledge here. eHarmony asks you a bunch of questions and finds out if, you know, if you like green eyes and they like blue eyes, then there's a match, right? So, but they do it very, very in detail. Now, that's kind of where we headed where other people didn't, right? And when we try to explain it to people, it's very simple that we're a Plinko board. So when you think of a Plinko board, it, you know, a ball goes down and it hits a button, it hits a little pin and it can go left or right. It's a 50-50 mm-hmm. decision. Sure. Well, our Plinko board isn't quite as simple. It's geometric in nature. So if you look down at the Plinko board, it hits and it has seven slots to go in. So right. you can get very, very far away from the starting point very quickly. Um, just by a few questions. And that's kind of the, the rationale of our algorithm and how we built it. So we can get to the end root of where you fit today very quickly. The problem we have, and this is 99% of where everyone's experiencing the same problem on our side of the fence, is there's a clients don't have enough knowledge to understand not everybody is quote unquote bankable. So right. I can get you a loan, but it's going to cost you 13, 14, 18%. And that's on a, a low end of alternative, you know, options sometimes. People don't accept that. They want 4% with a bankruptcy and all these right. things in their history. And we just scratch our head and ask why. Why do you think you're, you're able to get that loan? And they said, well, because I have a job. I have a house. I have it. That doesn't matter. Banks don't like lending to people without a 99.9% chance you're going to pay them back. Um, and the concept of alternative lenders figuring out a new algorithm, a new underwriting criteria is sometimes, I don't want to say funny to us, but it's sometimes very humorous to think about because banking has been around since the time, you know, Romans and people have been walking through (laughs) around the earth. Um, I think if there was a better way to do it, it would have built on itself by now. I know social media is here and all these things are here, but quite candidly, you do enough research, you can find out that those things are manipulatable and very unreliable in, in how they data set. Yeah, and we, we seem to always go come back to basics anyway. So a lot of people are predicting the you know, so the end of banking, I think. You know, banking is bigger than ever. Uh I don't say more beautiful than <laughs> ever, but you know, it's not gonna disappear anytime soon. Um it's just a question of, you know, the the, the changing nature of, of the type of transaction. Um the the other thing that I would, would would you know dare to say here is also that there are a number of people and, and, and sort of businesses out there that uh, on purpose are are using sort of 
the, the I don't say the gray area, but but clearly uh, have a vested interest not to educate their customers or potential customers, you know, uh, because they're actually profiting from from sort of a, uh, um, uh, a not too savvy uh, client base or prospect base, if you want, because that's when they can sell some stuff that's maybe not in the best interest of the customer. So that's that's another thing that that I think it's out there. Uh, definitely not 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 great for the industry, but I think the way you know you look at it and and you work with with you know your 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 model here and your business is definitely sort of going in the right direction how it's you know should be rather than you know looking at the short term interest of you know how can I make you know as much money as I can. Well, here so here you, you, and you brought up a great segue to to kind of you asked where we're heading. Um, yep. And one of the things we learned, and this, and I'm pulling back from the old structured world of investments and things like that from my past. And, and, and I know you, you and I, you and I have talked about this previously. Is if someone were to buy, try to buy a mutual fund today and their investment account, sure. the first place most people commonly wisdom go is Morningstar to go to a style box. Yeah. And yeah. what I'll tell you is, Connect Lending is building, and we're very, very much all the way toward the end of this build um, is the first sort of open architecture database of evaluation mm-hmm. of a lender. So I, I don't really care who you give me. It all comes down to something very simple, right? I can tell you in a very short order, the you know, the everyone talks about the five C's, right? And characters, credit report, yep. collateral. Really, it comes down to something simple. It's, it's cash flow. It's collateral and it's credit score. So that's right. really where you are. Um, I can take any basic lender and I can put them in a box, a Morningstar style credit box and tell you where you live within 30 seconds after starting to talk to them. Right. As long as they're honest with yeah. me, I can pretty much do that. Sure. And as far as we know, we're kind of the only one that's giving the entire world the ability to stop in put their lender in, either search for them and see who they are or search for them and put them into our system and we'll find out who they are for you. So it's, right. it's an interesting way to say, I don't care if you call yourself this a cash flow lender, an MCA lender, a suits lender. If you're focusing on these certain things, I can put you in a bucket. And I don't care what the title is. This is what you do. Yeah, sort of, you know, uh, tell me who you, you know, is it, tell me what you want and I'll tell exactly. you who you are, right? Sort of. Very interesting. Now, the other thing that I that I always thought was was interesting and compelling at the same time is is your approach to the advisor network. So, can you explain a little bit what that is all about, uh, how you came to that, and what exactly it, it sort of uh, you know makes you different from everybody else, and and how that works in sure. practice? So, the interesting thing is, and this this is this is going to lead into a lot of other little nuances, but we don't really go out and market to borrowers. You know, we're a small business lending platform that doesn't go after small businesses. So that's kind of an oxy, kind of a weird thing. Sure. Um, but what we do do is we go after their, their advisors. So their bankers, their accountants, their attorneys, their insurance agents. Because what we've learned over many, many years in, in doing all the different things that you and I and everybody else have done is that you've built this common knowledge. An accountant, an attorney, a, a banker, those sort of people, 
they know what's going on when you went to get a loan and you got declined. Or if you're looking for a loan and people on that side of the fence typically have a slightly higher intelligence level because they've been trained to look for things. And an accountant was, an accountant's not going to send you to a bank if they know you have all these skeletons in the closet. Because like I tell everybody, it all comes out in underwriting. So what we do is we go to those advisor networks and we start building up relationships with them. And why do we do that is very simple. And it comes back to the questions we were talking about previously is acquisition costs of clients is staggering right now in the alternative lending space because of competition. Okay. Yeah. So what we've done is we go out and build relationships with the accountants, the attorneys, what we would call advisors, and they bring us clients that are looking for help and that we can do it at a very reasonable cost because this is, we're adding a service to their practices, right? So we're giving them a value add and all these other terms that are woefully overused. Um, but what we've done is we've given them an ability to search for an outlet for a client's need, and they can still remain a client and show an additional service. Why does it... Go ahead. And they're, they're making money at the same time as right. well, right? So for them, they're vested interest right. to do so, that beyond just... So here's just, the interesting uh, part know, of that relationship. is we started with individual bankers, accountants, attorneys, and people like that. But what we learned was... You know, in our world, we don't want people that were professionals trying to generate leads, right? We just wanted us to be an ancillary business product to them. So over time, what we've done is we've built our entire framework, you know, many moons ago now to accommodate large hierarchy structures. So we have hundreds of not the accountant, but the accounting firm now, or not the bank banker, but the bank. So, you know, we have all, any structure where you see large gatherings of advisors, uh, community, uh, commerce, chambers of commerce, places like that. We have programs for them and we do it at zero to, to minimum cost, depending on what they want us to do for them. And when something closes, we turn around and we, we have the ability right now to revenue share because it's still very much, I don't want to say a wild west, but it's the last bastion of unlicensing hope that people can generate money in. Right. Well, <clears throat> wonderful. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we covered a couple of things here. Um, where you come from, what you're doing right now. Where do you see sort of from, from a more macro perspective? I think, uh, you know, we're in the right spot. You definitely have something going here that I think will attract a lot of interest. Um, what, what does it take actually for you to go to the next level? Um, I, I know you're, you're, you're in funding rounds. Obviously there, there's some capital needs there, but you know, from a, from a more macro perspective and, and just an industry perspective, what's gonna, drive your business uh, in, in a very substantial way sort of in the next, you know, 12 to 18 months? What, what do you see there that, that makes you confident that this is really going to gonna gonna rock and, and, and get you a lot of sort of attention sure. going forward? Um, most, of the, most of the things we build on this side in the alternative space is coming from knowledge and experience gained other places, right? So the right. next phase of 
alternative lending and lenders in particular is kind of a consolidation, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. Every every industry goes through this hyper growth and then consolidation, and, and it, it might cycle a couple times. But what we've learned very quickly is alternative lenders give commissions and give incentives based on volume, and it always comes down to volume. So what what we're building, and this is that upgrade we, we kind of referenced earlier, what we're doing right now, is we're taking kind of an insurance agency approach to alternative lending. What that means is mm-hmm. we understand that there are people what's called ISOs, right? Independent sales offices sure. that are out being commercial commercial brokers all day long. And mm-hmm. over time, new options are popping up and you know, new little niches are being created. Well, what we do specifically is find the new niches, the new lenders, and the differentiation points. That's what we're that's what we're here for. We Oh, we've started opening up kind of our back office of, if you will, to kind of rent it out, to start giving right. people that do this as a profession the ability to walk in and mm-hmm. have literally thousands or hundreds of advi- of lenders um, from the moment they start. And what it does is it gives them the ability to not only use their volume, but everybody else's volume that we've done business with in that l- lender relationship. So... If you went to, and I'll pick on, you know, anybody, you can name them and I'll, I'll pick on them. Well, you, you go to ABC Lender. Well, if you're only doing one or two loans a quarter or a month versus a platform that's doing 50 to 100 loans a quarter or a month, I'm going to have a much higher compensation level than you are because of just my profitability to that, that lender. So what we've done yeah. is we've started crafting the ability for these people to walk through the door and link into our relationship and our contract with them so they get the highest payout from day one right out of the gate. Um, so that, that's, that's fairly simply the first person, we're, we're fr- kind of the first platform that has that sort of way to do it. And we're driving towards that goal because really everybody's raising their arms and saying they're the best, they're the best. At the end of the day, it comes down to, can you close loans and are you going to pay me for the work I've done finding them? All we, all we've started building in the background was we're kind of the first depository of alternative lending and information, right? So in the investment real estate world or in the investment uh, markets, there are custodians, Right. Custodians are the people right. that no one know who they are, but they hold the trillions and trillions of dollars of investment dollars and no one knows their name. Right. So right. what we're sure. building is we're building the first kind of back office general database holding company and we have the pipes to get to everybody. What you. So is it, is it basically white labeling your product? Or, right. So or? we, we have, we have, again, we have a, an option to fit a lot of different business models. So. Someone can come in and tuck right up under us if they're an individual, and they'll use our name and our brand. If they want to actually pony up a little bit of money, and little bit meaning a tiny bit, skin in the game, we'll brand things and we'll customize it so they, their clients and their relationships think it's their website. So we're, we're not here to build our ego and build our brand. We're here to build volume, and we're here to build changing the way things get done. Um, that, that doesn't always play well together, but 
it, it's definitely the goal. And, and and we're being fairly successful at it. We're bringing in new lender groups and new advisors and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of new groups. And, and as we've added commercial real estate and, and sort of a very structured, easy way to do it, we've started getting into these real estate associations and other people that they have local help, but they don't have national help, right? And it's very fragmented. So it's right. it's opened up a lot of different market segments for us that weren't there before just because now we're looking. And so if I compare it again to some of the other names we mentioned, is it fair to say that, that both on the, the supply and the demand side, you really have sort of a, a, a – you really are a, a sort of a, a magnitude, order of a magnitude bigger uh, in terms of what you can offer the marketplace compared to the other guys? Is that, is that I would accurate? say it's accurate. The only, the only thing that's different – is the amount of money we spend on branding and marketing don't make it look that way. <laughs> right. um, oh, you know, we, we don't, we don't have million dollar marketing budgets to go after people because we just don't need them. Um, and here's, a, here's sure. a great way to, to think about that. I have relationships that I have now that some of those people have already had in the past and they still have them because, and I'll, Pick on Lending Tree, right? And Lending Tree does small business loans. Well, really, they only do one, maybe two different types. We walk through the door to the same client they have, and I can contractually give them, I can contractually give Lending Tree the exact flow they had before, but I'll take the 39 other loan types they don't service. So I can right. slice and dice relationships and contracts and things all day long to facilitate business where a lot of my competitors can't do that because they're very focused in certain re- relatively narrow places. So so let me ask you something. Um if I if I run a a website, a web property somewhere that's related or even not related to the space, but I would have an interest to, you know, uh, let's say it's very popular, big, you know, big amounts of traffic, um, can I basically put up sort of a, a box on my website that is sort of white labeled with your machinery behind it and drive that uh, audience um, to you through my website? Is that is that sort of the model that that you know is possible? Could could I do you, that tomorrow, so, or would that so be here, of interest? Here's, here's how we do it. And, and this is uh, this is our secret sauce, if you will. And I'm, I'm getting dirty looks in the office mm-hmm. right now. Um, we built a machine in the background. And it's a Plinko board, an algorithm, mm-hmm. however you want to look at it. And where the lead comes from doesn't matter to the system. So if it comes from right. you, a banker, uh, an accountant, it doesn't really matter to us. We've gotten good enough in our kind of current situation where we can build a website for somebody, have it up and running. We say 24 hours. Right now, we can click along in about 15 minutes. We can get an entire relationship up and running overnight. And the biggest one to date was we got their website up and running because it's a standard kind of platform that we use. Customization costs things, right? But if they just pull off our standard stock stuff, input screen to drive them into a, you know, into the application process, we can have that and every single one of their advisors up and running in 24 hours. And I mean, we're talking, the wow. biggest one was 1,200 people were uploaded in three seconds, and we had them up and running by the end of the day that day. So, yes, we can absolutely accommodate 20, 30, 40 different 
places that someone would get clients from. Um, all at, all at their, all, all in conjunction with their business model, not our business model. Right. Um, talking about sort of, uh, and I think we discussed it in the past offline, um, there sometimes is an opportunity on the international side as well, i.e. international companies that uh, cannot get funding here or vice versa. Uh, is, is that something uh, that is of interest that you're working with where you're looking for solutions, uh, something that you can offer, or is this really sort of a minor part of the business? It's funny you say that because what we've learned is le lenders are starting to morph a little bit, uh, and, and I mean in a mm -hmm. big way. So lenders are spending thousands of dollars, and I think the average is a couple hundred dollars these days, to find one client, right? Yeah. So yeah. what we've learned is over time, these lenders we have on our system have turned around and started becoming brokers and building their own introduction systems to introduce clients to lenders to get funded. And why would they do that? It's quite simply, they have a relation, a revenue relationship with that lender, and they're trying to monetize some of their marketing dollars. So they can't get funded. They'll turn around and push that client somewhere else based on the fact that they declined them to get them, to get them a loan to monetize something. So what we've, what we've seen is a lot of our lenders are becoming introducers for us based on their decline volume. And we can give them our platform and build them a very select set of people they want to introduce to that they have contractual relationship with. So that goes back to we can do a lot of things for a lot of different people because we've just been around long enough that we've, we've seen most of it, right? Um, right? So internationally, it's the same. So we have international money that's come flooded in and we have domestic clients that do business internationally and vice versa. For us, it doesn't really matter where they came from or what they're doing. I can put on a UK factoring company as easy as I can a New York-based or a Chicago-based or a San Francisco-based company. The questions might be oddly worded for them because obviously, you know, regionally across the world, you know, dialects and things change. We haven't spent the money, quite candidly, to convert everything into, you know, Chinese and Mandarin, you know, Mandarin Chinese and, and, and Spanish and all the things that we need to do. Is it on our dev queue? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But that's again why ev they're all, everyone's always raising yeah. money so they can improve things. And we're no, we're no exception. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about consolidation in the business. So. Uh, looking in your crystal ball, um, and I know you have a very nice one, <laughs> much nicer than I have, than mine, but um, three to five years out, and I know it's a long time, we'll talk about a shorter time frame as well. Where do you think um, the industry goes? And where do you think, you know, connect lending maybe or where you want it to be in, again, three to five years from now, which is a very long time in, right. you know, in any space? Well, it's fair to say that with with budgets and shortfalls and, and I mean government and local government things, um, licensing will ultimately be required. There, there's just no way around that. Right. 
the the idea of that scares a lot of people because what we're going to do is we're going to make the hurt the barrier of entry high enough that these young kids or young groups that have a do have a better mousetrap won't be able to help and all you know change things. So I really think that licensing is going to come come there. And what kind of licensing then specifically are you talking about? Is that is that FINRA licensing? Well, it's funny you say FINRA because there doesn't exist in our space, alternative lending space, an entity that has mm-hmm. the ability to do it yet. So what I've learned is they're they're trying to figure out a acronym to to stick on a company on, on a, <laughs> a <laughs> regulatory body. They run out of three letter acronyms. So. Um, it, it's yeah. not going to be SEC. It's not going to be FINRA because they are very focused on doing other things. It's going to be a new. It's going to be a new one. Hey, 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 hey. Um, hell, hell. And, it, and, and yeah, quite hell. literally, what I think might happen is it's going to be sort of a CFTC did for um, commodities. It's going to be a private entity that yep. pops up and puts a stake down and says, "We are now looking over people's shoulders and making sure people do it right." And over time, they'll gain approval, and it'll morph into something that's legitimate. That's kind of what I think is going to happen, because as soon as you put, you know, government in the mix, they're going to they're gonna create something as the pendulum swings towards regulation that's so erroneous, erroneously hard to deal with, that money will flood back out into other things, because... The, the venture capital and equity and things funding all of this growth and expansion won't put their money at risk for a pen stroke that can change everything. So that will end up happening. And, and one of the things we've done is we, we've, we, because my crystal ball, you said, is a little bit bigger and clearer than most, because I talked to so many different people around the world. Um, what I've learned is very simply, we've been in Washington three times now. And we've gotten called in to help kind of define what people look at. And the reason why we got that call is right. very simple. We don't have an axe to grind on a product or a solution. Tomorrow morning, if something changes, I change a couple buttons on my platform, and I've accommodated brand new laws and regulations. Simple as that. So right. what we've learned is when they asked me what the biggest thing in the – what my biggest concern was in alternative lending – you know, I came out of left mm-hmm. field for a lot of these people because coming from the financial advisors, financial service space, it was very simple. You guys have no control over money laundering and all the different things that are going on in the alternative lending space that aren't even on the radar yet because people don't have the capabilities of doing it. Does that make sense? Right. So yeah, know your totally. customer and all the different minutia that's going on in the FINRA world now of consolidating advice and, you know, robo advisors and things. That's all great. It's that, that will end up coming in a different format to our world. And if you're not ready for it, it's going to happen in a very big tidal wave at first and then little ones to follow to clean up the mess that they make. But the, the regulation of knowing who you're lending to and knowing where your money came from and knowing all that stuff is absolutely coming. 
No, I totally agree. Um, I, I was at a uh, uh, an attorney seminar yesterday night where where basically we talked about that, and and you know the remarks were going absolutely in the same direction. Um, at the same time, I would also say that. Maybe what you know the events that happened at Lending Club earlier this year was it in, around May uh, obviously opened uh, the eyes of many people and definitely the regulator and and may have been sort of the you know peak peak fintech momentum if you want and and now it's sort of okay let's step back and see you know what happened there what went wrong where did we uh, you know uh, got our eyes off the ball and how can we now sort of put put systems and practices in place so that you know we start regulated uh, regulating the space a bit more. And uh, make sure that you know more people are protected in a better way. And so, you know, my 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 argument is that you know regulation is only one way to go, and it's well, so not it's, down. So it's funny you say that. Right. So, so <laughs> you know, it's it, and I know you know you you always ask us what we're doing and what we're creating because you know quite literally you know you've been watching us and talking to us for a while. Um, we backed into uh, one of our most impressive upgrades by accident, right? So we mm-hmm. we help a lot of our clients that were broker dealers and you know RIAs investment advisors find loans for their clients. Mm-hmm. That's they're just advisors to us. Sure. Well, one of the clients came to us and asked us if we could help them with their problems, um, and quite literally it was filling out paperwork, right? So it took them two three days to open up an account, and we we streamlined it and got it down to to minutes, right? And, and why is that mm-hmm. important? It's because broker dealers and RIAs are the most heavily regulated in the security, securities, right? Because you're dealing with yes. people's retirements yes. and monies. Well, one of the things they do is they run people through the Nexus and Lexus and all these different things to look for, you know, inappropriate stuff. Well, one of the things we have is we, yeah. we built that for them and we built all the integration for them. So what happened was we actually by default built it for ourselves. So we now have the ability right. for a client to come in, fill out one piece of paper. And by filling out that one piece of paper, we can map all that data to many, many, many different applications all in one 100 of hitting a button. But why is that important? Mm-hmm. We also have all the data we need to go in and evaluate a person on the fly, whether they belong in the country, whether they're anti-money laundering, whether they're on a watch list. So all of the things that are very much already structured, we have the ability to just flick a button, turn it on, charge it, because those things cost money, right? We Most people don't want to do it because they don't have to do it. <laughs> so it, only co- it comes down to money, right? So if I don't have to screen someone, sure. why would I screen someone? Yeah, no, totally. I'm I'm, I'm I'm with you on on, on that, and um, you know another another question again talking about long t- uh, the long term versus the short term. So what's what's in store for Connect Lending sort of in uh, you know when when the vacation is over and everybody's back in business in September. So what's next for you in the next uh, you know towards the end of the year? Um, what are you specifically you know what do you need? What are you looking for? Um, what kind of help? Uh, do you require to sort of um, uh, roll out you know, the model, the, the platform, and, and continue to build what you've been building so far? What sort of the, the and I'd say, you know, other than money, but that is that is kind of key, but other than money, really, uh, are there other sort of things that are missing that ideally you would like to add right now if you had the means and the resources to do that? What sort of 
in the immediate sort sure. of interest that you're looking at. So it, the immediate thing we're doing is is finishing what we started, which is this upgrade of giving people the ability to evaluate and on the fly see multiple multiple things, right? So that doesn't sort of exist right now. So we're we're doing that. But in in the process of doing that, we've started uncovering all this opportunity in our own lender networks for people that have loans coming in they don't know what to do with them. So we really don't need a lot of assistance in the short term being the next 6 months. Because we have clients, we mm-hmm. have opportunity, we just need to execute on it. Simple as that. In the right. longer term, what that'll look like is it'll come back down to selling 101. I'll need more lenders, I'll need more um, front-end relationships, you know, associations, groups, people like right. that, that want to do good things for their clients, maybe make money along the way, maybe not, maybe they're doing it altruist- altruistically, but ultimately it comes down mm-hmm. to We've built the platform. We've built all these different bells and whistles in it. Now it comes down to finding more volume, making sure it's all working. And the thing that we love is we can just continue to expand because all we do is hit another button and open up another server. Um, But in the short term, we're going to have up and running the evaluation tool for lenders. So if a borrower comes in and wants to know who they're working with, We'll clearly identify if they're a broker or a lender and what sort of lender they are very quickly for them. And if they want to continue to go into that, it's hitting a button and dropping the application in right there, right then and there with who they want, right? So we're giving people a streamlined ability to evaluate who they're working with and take it in and get the process done in a streamlined manner, all from one centralized location. And the the thing that's going to happen shortly is that's going to become unmanageable if we're successful in executing it. So we'll just need support staff and help 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 managing it. Sure. That's all. Right. Well, that's all. That's that that's enough in my book. So very exciting, you know, short term and longer term outlook. And then obviously the you know final questions that I have. I have many more, but for the purpose of this uh, podcast. Um, what keeps you awake at night? What can go wrong? Um, you know, people ask me that a lot. And the, the one thing I'll say is when, when the world kind of paused and burned down a little bit in 08, it was a it was a massive event because of all the interlocked stuff that was going on, right? Everything talked to everything, everything invested in everything and, you know. Uh it was it was a very, very large system wide failure. Um the Fed and the government and everybody has kind of kept their distance from alternative lending because if there is a correction, if there is another economic downturn and all these things that could potentially go wrong, the balance sheets that burn down or have problems this time are not going to be governmental, right? They're going to be Wall Street and they're going to be private, privately owned balance sheets. And yep. I, I think what's going on is there'll be a very, very quick, large shakeout of lenders and options when the next correction comes to to the extent that it affects small businesses' earnings capacity, right? That's where it has to hit. Right. That's what keeps me up at night because when you get that happening, what the people that remain at the end are one of two things. One is they were large enough to weather the storm, 
or B, they were good enough in their underwriting and how they managed their business to, to survive that wave, right? If regulation hits too soon, then we won't have the people that are good at underwriting and have a better mousetrap surviving. We'll just have the largest people that are the best backed surviving that aren't necessarily the best for the community or the client. That's really what keeps me up at night is the unfair playing field that's sort of being hinted at coming. Um, and when it does come, it's not going to come in little tiny hills. It's going to come in mountains and it's, it's going to do a little more harm than good, but it's going to ultimately be, help, be, be pointed at protecting clients, which I am all for and I believe in it tremendously. But I also, I think it's going to have an unattended consequence. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. I just, I just feel that, you know, depending on how deep the correction will be, and it's not like yep. if, it's more like when, right? And, and a lot of people would argue that, you know, we're there already, just that, you know, we're, we're, you know, massaging the numbers to not, you know, uh, having to face the facts, but, you know, you can't, you can't fake the business cycle. So at some point we'll, we'll go lower, you know, credit will deteriorate and we'll see, we'll see some, some dominoes fall. But, if I go back like what is near like eight, nine years when basically lending club started, lending club basically came out of nothing on the back of the financial crisis, really, you know, uh, uh, offering an opportunity for some people to uh, who were completely shut out of, you know, the, the classic, you know, consumer lending market because banks just just you know were no longer there or at least were were much more difficult to uh, to do consumer lending and so that's when you know a lending club came up with the idea and started business and sort of the rest of is history if you want so it's it's the idea also of creative destruction that you know if if you have a correction and there will be some fallout on on sort of the alternative lending side or in general the the, the credit environment you know the alternative finance kind of sector as a whole and and some of the players in there should profit sort of disproportionately from the fallout because increasingly they will be the go-to sort of venue for a lot of people that suddenly will be left out of the the more normal course of action or, or the the more obvious sort of suppliers right so i i think that you know uh, again if the correction is is sort of mildish and and will have some fallout then you know companies like Connect Lending, uh, you know, at the margin, will profit from that because they will be able to still offer solutions for a good number of people that no longer have the solution where they used to get it from. You know, in in the oh, absolutely. past. Does that make sense? Like you, like you kind of said, if 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 something happened and like a program disappeared or an entire vertical disappeared, right? For us, it's just adjusting mm -hmm. an algorithm, and that product no longer exists until it comes back. Sure. Uh, but you did say something that was interesting. It was, you know, some of these bigger, bigger firms, you know, interjected themselves at the right time, and they've exploded. And, and what I'll tell you is, again, seeing things the way I do versus a lot of people because of just the landscape I look at, the largest people are the ones that are the best marketers. Not necessarily the best. Um not, not necessarily the best for clients uh, or the totally best agree. processes. Or the best, <laughs> they're the best yeah. marketers. I totally agree. Um, so yeah. in, in a down in a down spot in the market, what you find is the largest people might actually get uh, disproportionately hurt because they're not necessarily the best, but they just had the most volume because they got the most eyeballs. So you know, we'll see. It's again, there's opinions. That's why the world moves. If everyone thought the same. 
then we would all be fine, and it would just hum along at some some. Would be a very boring. It would, would be a very boring place, by the way. <laughs> uh, final question, maybe since we're in a, you know vacation mode still for at least for a lot of people, um, you know when you're not working. And I know in the business world everybody's doing twenty four seven, but I hope you've been able to take some vacation or you you'll still take some. So what's what's your ideal vacation? Where have you gone or where are you still going to? What do you do to sort of relax or you know uh, get out of this and, and and change your mind? What's sort of your um, yeah, what um, do you do there? To decompress, right? And I, and I always put this in two categories. Yeah. One is with kids or without kids, right? Um, you know, oh, with, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Let's say family first with kids exactly. and then, you know, you know with kids, kids, I'm a big fan of getting them out in the nature, getting them out walking around and, you know, not, not having them look at their Pokemon Go and running into trees, but rather experiencing the world, right? Yep. Um, and that, and that could be yep. done at, in a big city or in the middle of a forest. My my kids, you know, I, I've trained my kids to be very, very much a, a accommodative to where they are uh, and appreciate it. And, and then, you know, on a, on the other side of the fence with without kids, uh, you know, I have tremendous relationships around the world because of what I do for a living. So I can pretty much pick up a phone or send an email and say, hey, I'm coming into San Francisco, I'm coming into New York or Boston or, you know, anywhere in the, anywhere, even tiny little towns and find some of the hidden gems in the world just because I can find some local people to help me find them. Um, and I enjoy yep. no name dinner night, no name bar night much more than most people because I'm, you know, most of the time I sit down at dinner and ask the waitress to order for me because you know what's better here than I do. So, Pick something, right? Um, and, and that scares a lot of yep. people, but I absolutely thrive on the unknown and what's going on out there. So it's what I love doing. Well, wonderful. And uh, you brought something up, so I have to ask the question because it is it is definitely part of what I'm I'm looking at as well. You talked about Pokemon Go, PG, which uh, now you have to call it these days. Um, you know, I have a, I have a, a vested interest in that space as well, and you know, it's part of part of the <coughs> excuse me, part of the uh, approach I want to take in 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 my podcasting series. But um, after uh, Pokemon Go came out, which is like less than a month or so, <coughs> sorry, I gotta cut this out. Um, after Pokemon Go came out, um, increasingly. Well, increasingly, suddenly a lot of financial institutions or at least people started to write and think about, wow, this is powerful. This can move mountains, literally, but people in the first place. So how can we, um, on the FI side, um, use a platform like this or use gaming and gamification technologies in our systems and in our apps and in our, you know, the way we look at things in order to um, better attract our, you know, future customers, which is basically the millennial generation, right? So, um, do you have any thoughts, concluding thoughts there? Because you mentioned sure. Pokemon Go. So, what are your thoughts on, on how that could work out for financial institutions and, and, and any potential sure. impact for so what you're doing? Gamification um, is, is extraordinarily simple if you know what it is, right? Um, you're talking to a yep. closet statistician, you know, one of, one of the things I've always focused on. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm kind of a geek in that regard. Um, and, and mm -hmm. gamification has been around for a long time. 
And it always boils down to the same thing. Can you get eyeballs back onto a screen over and over and over again? That's all. That's what, that's what gamification yeah. is. So the, the easy ones to can kind of keep in mind, right? World of Tanks, Clash of Clans, um, any of those old, yep. uh, you, you call them old titles now, right? Um, those yeah, were yeah. first generation gamification. And, and I, and I will get emails and calls all after this podcast airs that no, there's some esoteric one out of, you know, wherever. Um, but those were the largest, biggest ones that generate millions of dollars a month on quarters and nickels and dimes being put into a slot machine. That's what it is. Um, yep. Oh, you want to, you know, you want to attack one more time, send us a nickel and I'll let you attack one more time, right? That's gamification at its best. Take that into um, alternative lending. You have firms now that to generate gamification, what they're doing is generating content and readable content is what they're looking for, consumable content. So the client isn't going to come back and relook at their loan over and over and over again. So there's no gamification in a transaction, right? Where gamification comes in is in the people sending leads to you or people that are consuming data. So the gamification of alternative lending isn't pointed at consumers because, uh, you know, a business owner like you or me or anybody else is busy running their business. They're not busy clicking back in to read about how I can get my paydex score up a little bit more, right? And then so... Right. What you're, what people are aiming at is the gamification of originators, not necessarily clients. So again, gamification yeah. will boil down to something very simple is you're trying to generate more eyeballs to generate more volume to support your alternative lending business. That's gamification in its best and simplest explanation. And I could be wrong, but you know, that's the way I've seen it being put to use, at, you know, for the last seven, eight months that this new word has come out of the woodwork in alternative lending. Right. And so, you know, again, at the margin, it's a development that definitely should uh, should be helpful in whatever you're trying to achieve. Sure. Well, I mean, lending, we're, 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 we're one of the largest producers and consumers of, you know, kind of stuff in data, um, meaning that mm-hmm. we, we, you know, we're not trying to push out something and draw eyeballs in and, and force people into a product. We just want people to make smart decisions uh, and, and, and effectively help their clients. If it's advisors coming or ISOs coming, or it doesn't matter who's coming to our platform. Uh, we're just trying to give enough information to make correct decisions. Right? So in our world, gamification very simply is we're here to help you evaluate and you'll come back to us over and over and over again to evaluate new lenders. Um, but again, the one thing I fight on every single day is the, 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 the end client is so undereducated in the options they're allowed that they have. When somebody says, I want to yep. put you in this 600% APR product, they just say, okay, that must be best for me because somebody told me. Um, <laughs> so that, that's what, yeah. that's, that's really where the world is going to, is going to shake up a bit is when clients start being able to become educated. Um, then you'll start seeing rates compress, yields compress, everything will come down because people, people will learn what options are. And if given an option, they're always going to take the one with just one basis point or one percentage point lower because it's lower 
that's all it comes down. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Well, this has been this has been really fantastic, uh, Rick. Um, learned a lot, um, and I thought I knew something, but no, I definitely learned a lot. Thank you for that. Um, where do people go if they want to have you know want to get more information about your business? Uh, where where um, do you point them well, to? Well, um, first I'll point them to you because you know you will probably link this right. So I'll I'll, I'll give you some traffic. Sure. Um, second thing is sure. they obviously can go to connectlending.com. Uh, there's some material there. There's some reading stuff there. And, you know, over the next few weeks, months, uh, there'll be some upgraded stuff. But by all means, reach out and pick up a phone or send us an email. We reply back, you know, fairly quickly. And we're, we're here to answer questions and entertain new ideas and thoughts because that's what drives us forward every day. Well, wonderful, Rick. Thank you very much. It's been great. So wish you all the best with your venture. We'll definitely be you know, closely in touch. I will be you know, following you uh, very closely in the next uh, weeks and months. But, but again, thanks for coming on. It's been helpful. And uh, you know, uh, we'll speak that's to each other soon again. Have a great okay. afternoon. Thanks for the opportunity.